You're listening to the Morphology Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Morphology Podcast. Hey, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast and give it a thumbs up if it's deserving. It helps me out a lot. Anyway, aka Murph here to share interviews about biking experiences from cyclists who have pedaled to places all over. Each week we will get to know new people and explore new destinations to ride your bike. As you listen to these adventures, you may wonder, why haven't I done that yet? On the show today is gravel racer Kai Takashito. Growing up in Japan, Kai always looked at the bicycle as a means of transportation rather than recreation, and she really didn't get the gravel racing bug until adulthood. It's obvious she's a quick learner as she continues to embrace and, dare I say, she enjoys the sufferfest of endurance gravel racing in terrible conditions like rain, cold, mud. Today she's going to give highlights of her most recent race, and first place win of the Iowa Wind and Rock, which is a 340-mile gravel race. Enjoy. All right, well, on the show today, we have Kai. Hey, Kai, how are you doing? Hi, it is wonderful to be here. Good, good. Well, I found you on some, maybe it was Instagram, I'm not really sure. Um, Lots of photos of you doing bike racing. And I got pretty intrigued, started following you. And then I saw that you ended up going to do an event here in Iowa called Iowa Wind and Rock. And not only did you go to the event, you won. Like you won. So I was so excited that you agreed to come on the podcast to talk a little bit about what you do in the cycling world and especially about that event. Do you want to start out by maybe telling us a little bit about where you live now? Okay. Yeah. Um, so I currently live in northwest suburbs of Chicago. Oh, okay. And, you know, it can be very brutal in winter, so I tend to just hide in the basement uh, <laughs> to ride my bike in winter time. Well, especially it's easier than time efficient. But during you know springtime, summertime, fall, um, it's pretty nice out there as long as you're away from the you know busy area. So um, then I just go ride bicycle beyond the suburbs, and you know I do travel uh, quite a bit using you know vacation weekend holidays to um find some great event and my gravel definitely is my favorite um i've been i've been riding gravel since 2014. oh okay so when you are leaving chicago to go for a training ride or just for a fun ride can you find gravel pretty close um not really oh okay you have so you have to (laughs) drive yeah, I have to drive. We have to be, um, I got to be on like highway two hours to find good gravel. So I don't ride a lot of gravel. Mm-hmm. There are some trails, like rail to trail. Oh, sure. You know, type uh, trail. But, you know, some are just paved. Others are like tamed gravel. I think mm-hmm. gravel, you know, gravel definition can be anything. So I guess if you mean if it's not paved and it's gravel, then I guess it's gravel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 It's not anything like chunky gravel or like tough gravel or anything. It's not it's not around here. Mm-hmm. But if I drive to west about two hours at least, then uh there is an area called the 
driftless. Mm. And that's the area that didn't get flattened. Uh, so it's pretty hilly and they have a lot of unpaved roads. So um, I do go there mm-hmm. once in a while. Mm-hmm. So I, um, we should probably mention that you have not always lived in Chicago. You're actually were born in Japan. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. So when I so, th- when I think about Japan, I don't always think about cycling as recreation. I think about it more as like a form of transportation. So do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about well, a if that's true, and b how you got into cycling as a sport? So um, yes, it is very true. Uh, it is definitely a transportation. You know, every household has a bicycle, and we use it to go to work. You know, go to school grocery shopping and all. Uh, some people don't even own the cars because they can just walk to public transportation that they can just bike to mm. the train station and all that. Um, so, you know, it was the same for me as well. Um, they do have um, cycling as sports. You know, they have road races, mountain bike, track, you know, catering and all. But when I was growing up, um, oh, I didn't see them as sport at all. I haven't even, I didn't even see a drop bar bicycle in person. Oh, wow. We, yeah, we all ride like city bike, uh, city commuter type bike mm-hmm. with basket. Uh, we got the light and lock and the stand. So that's what everybody had. So how did I get into cycling as sport? Right. Um. So when I came to the U.S., that was when I was 19, and I didn't have a driver's license. Well, because in Japan, you have to go to a special driving school to go get a license. Mm-hmm. You can't just start learning. Then I didn't go to that kind of school. So I needed to get around, and I went to a bike shop, and that was the first drop handlebar bicycle. Oh, nice. And, yeah, and I, I was very surprised because... I never thought a normal person could even purchase such bike because I just never, <laughs> I had never seen that kind of shape. <laughs> well, that and, type of bike. yeah, and most people that you saw, if they were on their commuters, they, you probably just didn't see people on drop handlebars. No, not at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then, well, I got a bike for, you know, school time, you know, during my uh, college time, but still I didn't think it was, a sport or anything. I just, I just didn't know. Then I moved to Chicago. Um, you know, I got a job. Then moved to Chicago, and I have, I had no friends. You know, I didn't know anyone. So after work, I started going to a uh, local, like neighborhood forest preserve to just ride, ride around my bike because I have nothing else to do. Mm. And I started seeing some fast people in colorful spandex. I'm like, oh. Are those people? <laughs> so so uh, that's um, then you know they're very nice, and I made friends, and you know eventually, like after quite a bit of time, uh, they invited me for you know local training ride, and then I discovered there are cycling clubs and there are century rides, and so it's just step by step. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then at some point you must have decided. Uh, or maybe you want to tell us the progression because I assume that you probably do a little bit of Zwift when you're at home or maybe you used to. And then at some point, cycle cross and then gravel became your uh, cycling choice. Right. 
So, yes. So I started out with uh, writing with the local clubs and I did a lot of centuries and I met my current husband who also rides a bike and then we did a lot of riding um, in Chicagoland and Illinois, Wisconsin. And one year, I think that was 2014, we had a mini bike vacation in Arizona in wintertime. Mm. And in one of the group rides with, we did at that time, there was a cyclist from Minneapolis. Uh, they, he told me about gravel. And I didn't know what it was. I never even heard gravel bike or gravel cycling or sure, anything. It, but, right. <laughs> yeah, but I think at the time in Minnesota, gravel was already flourishing. <laughs> um, so I go home, you know, look up what gravel is and look around. And luckily I found a semi-local gravel race event. Maybe like two, three hours away from my home, and I went to do it. Um, there was no gravel bike in the market. Um, I only had road bike and a commuter bike. Mm. So I took my commuter bike with full fenders. <laughs> and that was my very first time I rode anything other than paved road wow. or cross limestone trail. So it was so loose. Like, I felt like the ground was moving underneath me. <laughs> right. And, like, I probably had a white knuckle. <laughs> and it was springtime. It was so windy. It was gusting, like, it, it was definitely gusting, like, 30 miles per hour. Because I was getting blown away from one side of the road all the way to the other side. And I had to get off the bike before I just fall into the ditch. The nods just had to repeat it, like, over a dozen times. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was really tough and my uh the number that we get we attached to the bike it got blown away so i had to put the bike on the side of the road and i had to ran to go get it just go find it a farmland <laughs> <laughs> then it rained at the end and it was very very hard but um it was so much fun like it was so much fun and it just i don't know something clicked a uh, sense of accomplishment you know, I felt really good, and I wanted to do more of it. And luckily, there were some people in uh, northern Illinois that were riding gravel. So, you know, I started riding with these people, and yeah. So, the yeah, that's how I started with gravel. And cyclocross, too. Yeah, cyclocross I picked up on in the same year. Mm -hmm. So, you know, two off-road things. Nice. <laughs> in the same year, 2014, yes. And and I would consider those to be kind of extreme sports because of like what you said, where the ground is moving and air pressure in your tires is really important. And then, of course, you know, you're focusing what you're seeing versus what is under your tires. So yeah. that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Oh, well, I like it. So all too well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, do you want to get into specifically Iowa Wind and Rock um, and talk about a little bit of a recap? Yeah, so Iowa Wind and Rock. Um, so I, I've heard about it like you know for a couple of years, and then before that, its predecessor predecessor was Trans Iowa, mm -hmm. and I knew some of my friends were doing this, so I always knew about it. But you know, whatever I hear was horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> it's like three hundred forty miles in April. I don't even know who has 
that kind of legs, right. you know, that kind of, you know, legs are not ready in April. That that mileage is just so great. And the weather is probably very crappy. Yeah, because it, it is in Iowa. So, right. you know, you never know if you're going to have <laughs> snow or rain or whatever. And, you know, two-sheet navigation. Not that I'm not used to it. I know how to use two-sheet because everything was based on two-sheet before. But, you know, we kind of get soft once we start using GPS navigation. <laughs> sure, yeah. yeah. And so let me ask you a question. When you think about Iowa Wind and Rock and you're saying two-sheets, is it true that you you can't pre-plan for the route, right? They show you the two-sheet the morning of the race. Is that true? Yeah. That that is true. That is true. They guard their course very very tightly. Wow. You know, I I had no slight idea on the course. You know, um, I didn't know if you're gonna go north or like east or west or south. Wow. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. And you're doing uh, gravel roads, but also are they called B level, where they are more like farm tractor roads? Yes. So there's not yes. not always like street signs for you to follow. So you're doing cue sheets and not knowing the route ahead of time. Like that in itself is extreme. Yeah, it it gets stressful, um, especially like later on. Like you have no idea where you're supposed to go. And I think, you know, at night too, I started seeing the same. I thought I was going like west. Then I started going east, and then mm. I'm going west again. I'm going east again, and like, what am I doing? Am mm. I just riding in circles, or where am I going? Oh, jeez! And, <laughs> and you know, even at the checkpoint, you know, little tiny town, I can't see the name of the town, but I don't know that town. Sure. I have no idea where I am. I suppose if you pull up your phone and if you really wanted to check, you could, but you know, I, I didn't. It just I had so many other things that I had to worry about, so that was one of my least concern however just not knowing like what's ahead what kind of terrain's ahead and you know where the wind's gonna be coming from and all that kind of stuff right and when it's when it's um you said 340 miles yes so when you're doing that obviously you're going to be riding during the night but are you sleeping at all or are you just doing it straight through that we were doing straight through. I'm oh. not going fast enough to have any <laughs> um, sleep time. Uh, but uh, that was, well, it was really rough. It, we got really sleepy. Um, I'm trying to wake myself off by singing or, you know, yeah. just hitting my cheek and trying to, you know, just say something so loud that I'm awake. Right. You know, I tried the chewing gum and all that, but none of them worked. So, Ended up just stopping, uh, not laying down, but stopping and just put my head on the handlebar. Just close my eyes and rest my eyes. And it actually helped a little bit. But I had to do it so many times. Yeah, I can't imagine that. <laughs> and through all of that, you ended up first place in the Women's Open. So how what did that feel like? Um, well, I going in, I didn't put too much importance on placing. I was more, um, my main mission was to finish, mm-hmm. you know, like I wanted to complete it. You know, I wanted to come back in one piece. Uh, I always tell myself on gravel, especially like really, really long one, and you don't know what's going to happen. 
completion before competition because if you don't complete it, you can't even compete. Right. <laughs> There are so many things that could go wrong. You're going to have to take care of you know, each of them. And I didn't have any mechanical. Um, you know, there are moments that I got really hungry, but I didn't have any bonking. So I was okay with nutrition mm -hmm. and, you know, everything just went well. And I happened to be the only uh, female finisher. So that put me to um, the first place woman. And, you know, it feels good, but I was very, very happy that. I finished. <laughs> right. You know, completed my mission. Yeah. And so. I can only imagine based on the weather and the terrain that people had a lot of mechanical issues. Yes, especially in the B road, that's the minimum maintenance road that they don't even have gravel. And like you said, there are lots of dirt. Mm -hmm. And if you, yeah, you have to be smart on uh, dealing with the B road because if you try to ride it, there is a pretty good chance that you break something. Yeah. So you're actually yeah. hiking a bike, right? Yeah. I, my footprints were the very first footprints that was placed on the B road. I got off right away. <laughs> well, like, I'm not missing with it. <laughs> I was going to say, and it paid off because you did not have any mechanical. Right. That's great. Yeah. I, I had broken my rear dilator like already, like a long time ago trying to fight the mud road because I didn't know any better. Yeah. So yeah. a little smarter. Yeah. Uh, do you want to tell the listeners if you had any like mental highs or mental lows during a race like that? Um, so this particular Iowa Wind and Rock, I think as far as mental goes, the, um, seeing the endless hills, mm. it was in many ways mind-blowing. You know, it's just you climb, you climb, you climb, and it just goes on and on and on. It just never ends. And you feel like, when is it going to end? You know, if it's a mountain, you know it's going to end. Right. You know, you're going to get to the summit, and the other side is all the way, you know, downhill Do you get the rest. But this, you climb one, okay, yeah, you have a little bit of descent, but you climb another one, another one. And the terrain was like... um. Like when you look at the saw from the side, just up, down, up, down, oh, up, down. Yeah, yeah. You don't have any flat part in between. So after doing that for so many hours, like I got really tired of even trying to use the momentum mm -hmm. of downhill through uphill. Mm -hmm. It's just I'm like, I'm tired. I don't even want to do it. I'm going to just close that little tiny downhill. I'm going to just spin easy. You know, I just use the easiest gear and I just tried to climb up but yeah, it was just endless and then yeah like I mentioned um not knowing where I'm at yeah and not knowing where I am going so that was another thing and yeah it just like when you look up and you see this long winding road or long hilly one like oh my gosh and this race director um who who is also of course designer sarah i'm just saying sarah <laughs> like you can't do this like sarah like i don't even remember how many times i said sarah <laughs> i think she finds great joy in finding the worst route or maybe she, oh. she would call it the best route i don't know 
I, I think she would call it the best. Yeah, <laughs> she is somebody. She is such an accomplished cyclist, and she. I think she likes things to be really, really tough. And mm. yep, I think we are enjoying. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. yeah. So, uh, how do you like mentally prepare for a race like this when you don't really know what you're getting into? You do know it's going to be tough. Like, what's your mental game going into it? A quick interruption to give a shout out to Primal Wear. Cycling is their passion and apparel is their craft. So if you are in the market for a New Jersey, bibs, mask, or any cycling apparel, go to primalwear.com and use code PRIMALMURF to get 20% off your purchase. Yes, 20%. Now back to the show. Um, I think I know somewhere in my mind that like something tough is also something really it can be really fun. Yeah. <laughs> Although you might not think it's fun when you're doing it, but I know it will be fun afterwards. So I think I just can't resist the temptation of something unknown because it's after all adventures and I yeah. think I like adventures. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm assuming there are times when you were pedaling where you're like, this is awesome. This beats, you know, sitting at home on the couch. <laughs> um, Maybe I think the best best moment for me was the second day sunrise. I was going east, mm. so I could see the sun rising, and there were some clouds. The sun was right, like I could see like sun's light through the clouds, and that moment was the most beautiful. Mm. And I was just surrounded by, you know, like a little hills, mounds. It just you know endless hills, but they're all green. It was was not brown it was green mm-hmm. and then sun's rays were on it and the green was shining it was so peaceful it was so beautiful and i just wish i had taken a picture yeah but i knew that you know my picture wouldn't be as it, yeah. good as you know <laughs> yeah and professional photos so I didn't stop but it, right. it was a really great moment and I felt like oh, it's gonna be so easy going back this is so great <laughs> you know, that's what I thought but it wasn't easy going back at all <laughs> oh man so and I was gonna get into that you know the a the fact that you just said your second sunrise so I mean you were on your bike for a long time and yeah. uh, I can relate it to I did a century ride this last weekend the Grand Gable uh, it wasn't a race and I am not a seasoned century ride biker uh. bike rider I should say um, and again you know it's the end of April so um I experienced, you know, like as far as like physical, like my pinky went numb and my little toe went numb. And, you know, this was just for 100 miles total. And we got off our bikes a lot, stopped and had lunch. You know, I had a beer at one place. So it wasn't a balls out. Let's go as fast as we can go. Mm -hmm. But when you look at your experience, when you're in these long, long races, how does your body hold up? Uh, it was pretty rough. Um, at one point when I got off the bike, like it was at the checkpoint, I thought my abdominal muscles were gonna shudder. Mm. Like, cause I think it was due to a lot of climbing. Because in Chicago, we just don't have any climbing. Mm. You know, I consider the highway ramp a, a hill. So, 
So it was a lot of climbing. Uh, I think my abs are working really hard. So that was that. But I think what was worst, what was worst was my knee pain mm. and also the pain in the feet. Then I don't know if the pain the feet came from the shoes that don't fit well, but I I think it was fitting well. I think it just wearing the shoes and pounding, you know, just too many revolutions right. for like. 20 plus hours and my feet were hurting so much and then the knees then again knees knee pain has to be coming from so much climbing then I don't do a lot of climbing Mm -hmm. and you know even if you put the climbing aside it's just it's just so much riding that many hours I never I never did that that kind of hours (laughs) (laughs) and winter preparation you know although I tried to do as much as possible then I I I managed to put like three or four centuries beforehand. Mm. Uh, I guess it, it it just wasn't enough to handle without the pain, mm-hmm. and it, it was so painful. And I wanted to scream, but even if I scream, it's not gonna go away. Right. So I just didn't, you know, I didn't. And I just told myself. After thinking, oh, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. I was like, well, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. It's fine. It's fine. You'll be fine. You're okay. And it worked because you made it to the end. Yeah, it, it worked. It worked. Yeah. You just have to keep repeating that until the pain becomes background noise. Mm-hmm. And you just forget about it because eventually it just goes somewhere else because you're thinking about something else. Yeah. Something else. And Sure. And when it comes back, you just have to tell yourself that, no, it does not hurt. You'll be okay. No, you'll be okay. It's not like I'm bleeding or nothing. So right. I'm okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then, uh, like, when you look at nutrition and hydration, you probably don't have a lot of room on your bike to store that. And I'm guessing rural Iowa, there maybe is a gas station here and there. But how did you manage having the right amount of nutrition and hydration? Uh, so uh, hydration, first the hydration was one of my biggest concerns because um, I just wanted to make sure I had enough water. Mm-hmm. It's Okay, so we have checkpoint one at mile 81 and then checkpoint two, which is 110 miles after. And then um, it's not a checkpoint, but we knew there was a gas station at mile 256 and then you're going to roll in at mile 340. So there are not a lot of places that you can refuel. So I needed to make sure I had enough water. And then if you have some sort of trouble while riding, you know, you may be sitting there for like one extra hour, two extra hours, and then you may be needing more water than you prepared. Mm -hmm. And I knew there will be some, like farmhouses but i know those farmhouses have dogs i'm yeah. not gonna go near <laughs> yes, yes. I'm like i have to carry all the water i need then i knew the temperature was not gonna be so hot so i i knew i wasn't gonna be drinking you know as much as i would in summertime but i had one camelback uh i think that was i can't remember the capacity i think it was like 100 ounce on my back but i knew i couldn't carry that much on my shoulder because it's too heavy Mm -hmm. so i only put half the amount and i had two really really big water bottles Mm -hmm. and each capacity was like 33 ounces or something like that then i 
try to calculate my um, average speed. Hopefully that's my average speed because you never know what happens. But then I did some calculation. I'm like, ah, I think that's about right. I、mm-hmm. think I need about this much water. And that kind of worked out.、Um, I had more than I actually drank, so, which was good. Yeah, that's you, what you want. You want to carry more than you need because you never know what happens.、Mm-hmm. In fact, I had one、um, plain water in the leg one because I thought. Um, I thought that I would encounter B Road like, pretty early in the day, and I knew I, need, I needed water to clean off my drivetrain. So I、oh, made、smart. sure one of, the、yeah. Bottle, yeah, one of the bottles was like plain water, nothing, you know, nothing sticky in there, and、mm-hmm. nothing sugary in there. Then it worked out because I was using the water to clean off stuff. So that reminds me.、Uh, I, We should give a shout out to Rose Willie. She's a, a friend. She's been on the podcast before and she does gravel racing. I think she carries a spatula with her so that she can get rid of the mud when she gets done on B roads. Yeah, that is very important. Yeah, I do the paint stick, but I think、oh, paint stick, is、yeah. really, it's a really good idea. Yeah.、But、I had a toothbrush. Oh, okay. So you, you、yeah. have something that you carry along to get that mud out. Yeah, I had a toothbrush in my back pocket along with.、Um, Paint stick, and then I had two more toothbrushes one at like one in each drop bag. So I had a total of three toothbrushes. Oh man, just in case I lose one. <laughs> Did you have a like snack or treat that kind of gave you a mental boost? Yes, yes, yes.、Um, so the food, I put so much food in the drop bags, and I put so much food in my Frame bag、mm-hmm. far more than I actually need it, but bacon jack jerky was really good. Oh, nice! <laughs> I didn't, I don't even usually, I don't, I don't eat bacon usually. Not that I don't like or anything, I just don't buy them.、Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was like, okay, it's got some fat and it's got some protein, it's got salt and sounds、yeah. perfect. And it was perfect. I finished all the bacon jerky I prepared while I didn't finish a lot of sweet stuff. I Put in the drop bag, so、mm-hmm. I think it worked out really good. And yeah, I have some favorite food like、uh, dried fruits and、uh, what's that?、Uh, peanut, peanut nugget, like the pretzel, pretzel. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're, like they're filled with peanut butter. Right, right. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. So、uh, that was really good too. You know, it's a little salty because you can't just keep eating sweet stuff. You get tired of right, it. Right, right.、Yeah. And I just didn't know what I would want, so I put a lot of stuff in bags and You know, I just pick what I want and you know, just leave what I don't want. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you're biking that extreme, it doesn't really matter what you eat as far as, you know, you're basically just trying to fuel. So,、right. whether it's a lot of calories or sugar or whatever, it's whatever your body needs at that moment. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, and then I also bought a、um, sandwich at the gas station store. Which was located at mile 256. That sandwich tasted so good. And the gas station cappuccino, you know, the pre made、oh, one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, that's something I usually don't even drink because it's just too sweet and、right. all this. But that just tastes so good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure if you like drove by that gas station right now, you know, just as <laughs> a normal day, you'd look at that sandwich and be like, oh my gosh, I ate this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah.、Uh, but that was such a luxury to have that store there. Especially、yeah. hot drink. It was cold at night. 
I don't think it went down to freezing, but I knew it was like low to mid thirties. Then it's dark. We don't have the sun. It was pretty cold. Um, <sighs> I, I was prepared. As far as closing goes, I think I prepared really great, but still, I really wanted to have something hot to drink. And yeah. So, be- so besides the beautiful sunrise and the awesome gas station, uh, anything else cool that's worth mentioning that you want to talk about? A quick interruption to tell you this week's podcast is sponsored by Lizard Lips Lip Balm. These great lip balms contain natural ingredients, come in a variety of flavors, and you can choose certified organic or balms with sun protection. Check it out at lizardlips.net. Now back to the show. Yes. This Raiden... This Iowa Wind and Rock brought me back all the good memories mm. from like early gravel times of mine. Uh, just, you know, beautiful scenery and just me alone, riding alone yeah. <laughs> for a long time. And yeah, just being so simple, you know, event being so simple and hard, it just reminded me of a lot of good experiences I had you know, over the years, and it was really good. I, I was very happy. I was really very happy to remember all the memories, so yeah. that was a good moment. Oh, that's awesome. And that brings me to the next question I was going to ask you is, uh, I'm assuming that you've done many other races, but uh, do you want to give us, a, like, a couple highlights of some races you've done? Yeah, I did do quite a few races. I'm pretty sure, I haven't really counted, but I'm pretty sure I went over a dozen states just for gravel mm-hmm. races single speed only oh, gravel race and Kogo 100 it's 100 comes from 100 miles but well it ended up being 110 but um i did that two years ago 2019 when he first put it out and that was the very first and will be my very last single speed event <laughs> <laughs> that was the longest <laughs> century ride i have ever done i didn't think i was gonna take that long so what state was it in iowa oh so you had (laughs) so you experienced the hills of iowa on a single speed yeah this iowa wind and rock was far worse but Mm. this guitar catch stuff it i had like other issues so like hills was not the only problem it's like i only got one gear and i don't even know i don't even know which gear to choose you know i just had a couple options in my basement in my storage so i just took the middle size you know small middle big so i just took the middle oh my goodness i hope it works because i don't even know how to choose a single speed one and, one and done that's a great way to say that right and then <laughs> uh yeah so that was really something that was cold wow too. wow yeah. <laughs> uh you know that well-known one is like dk200 which is now unbound mm-hmm. you know Landron, which is now mid-south michigan coast to coast uh crusher in the two star in utah and gravel worlds, Nebraska, you know, mm-hmm. Hilly Billy Rebay is, it's always my favorite. It's such a fun race. And Unpaved in Pennsylvania, or SDT uh, in Colorado, that's pretty new. And, you know, they're not the only races. I mean, uh, there are quite, like, quite many other races. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they're, they're all good. Um, 
some are very big and you know with a lot of sponsors and some are very grassroots and i enjoy both mm-hmm. yeah. are you mostly doing gravel now yeah okay so, <laughs> that's what i like so you are into gravel now um yeah, totally, do you, totally. i don't know if you have multiple but do you want to tell the listeners about your gravel bike Yes, I did accumulate quite a bit of quite a quite a few bikes over the years, but for gravel use, um, currently I uh, mainly ride a team bike, which is Baxter Vista, and I also have 3T Explorer, mm. which has a lot more clearance for bigger tire and mud than uh, like that bike quite a bit. I also have uh, Kona, that is a steel bike in. Think you can call that drop bar mountain bike. Mm-hmm. You can put like you can really put mountain bike wheels, and you can put mega sized tires. So I I am hoping that I can go a few bike packing. Yeah, <laughs> that bike this uh, this summer. Yeah, adventure awaits. <laughs> and hopefully you will um, return to Iowa at some point, even though you have just experienced Iowa wind and rock. I I have to say I thought I was so Iowa out when I was riding, but you know after the race you forget all the not so good part and you yeah. only remember remember the exciting parts. I'm like, oh, okay, I think I, I think I'll go back. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, like overall, what do you think like keeps you motivated to go for that next bike ride? Um, I like things that are new to me because I just like unknown stuff Mm -hmm. and not adventures but also i like the people like gravel people i think gravel is all about community um just i made a lot of friends over the years at many gravel races and gravel events and uh, they keep me motivated to ride you know seeing what they do and seeing where they ride and just meeting meeting up with them at the next ride and all it it is a lot of fun, and I enjoy the uh, camaraderie. So, I yeah, definitely, I like. yeah, I definitely think of the gravel as a community. Like you said, it just seems like everybody is in it for each other. Which, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, like you know, when you when you put on the full spandex kit and you're at the starting line on a pavement race. You know, you don't get as much eye contact and saying hi to people. Where in gravel, everyone's just all like, you know, ready to have a conversation. And it just seems different. It's a lot more relaxed. Yeah. yeah atmosphere is a lot more relaxed. And I think it's a lot more uh, friendly mm-hmm. and inclusive. And I think it's just um, not so intimidating. Yeah, definitely. And it's kind of like you're you know, the race is more about which line you're going to take on the gravel and, and how nice the rocks are going to be to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what's next for you? Um, so um, as far as my racing goes, yeah. I am planning to go to the Unbound in Kansas at the end of the month. So I should say at the beginning of June. Mm-hmm. And I have a few races planned. It, nothing is very solid. However, I do plan on doing some races this summer. And like I said, I wanna I wanna squeeze some bike packing in 
um, I want to do something new, like something that I've never done mm-hmm. either. So we'll see. I, there are too many things I want to do. I'm just trying to figure out how, how I can do them all. Yeah. Doesn't it feel great, though, to uh, be able to do in-person racing again? Ah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So great to see. Ah, It's just so great to see friends. And it's just so great to feel the air on the, you know, air on your face and skin and, you know, then enjoy that with other people. Yeah, it's so great. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. Well, uh, before we go, is there any like sponsors or passion or any organizations that you want to promote? Well, um, I want to give a shout out to this wonderful I- Iowa Wind and Rock. Yeah. Because um, they, they put a lot of time and effort to make this happen, you know, so we can, we riders can enjoy the weekend. No, it's not even, you know, they don't even have the entry fee to the riders. You know, donation is welcome and it's 100% community funded. You know, they're, the amount of time and effort they spent um, behind the scenes, I can't even imagine. It just, it, I know it's so much work. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do you say, labor of love. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I really appreciate, like, everything they did. So I really hope that a lot more people like many more uh, people would like participate and enjoy the event um in the future it's hard but it is really hard and it is long but you know you can make it anything you want it to be you know if you just want to see how far you will go you know and go for it i think gravel is for everyone and everybody can enjoy it in a way they want and this event is like really great um very aggressive very friendly very inclusive and so easy for everyone to get access to so yeah i have to say i very much recommend this event (laughs) and you could volunteer if you weren't ready to actually ride it you could volunteer that's right that's right Oh, yeah. I, I love those volunteers. They're stellar. They're just there to help. You know, you need anything? <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Kai, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. Um, It was wonderful to be here. Yeah, I loved hearing about it. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing more of you in future. Yes, super. <laughs> Well, listeners, that's it for this week. Thanks so much for tuning in to listen. And big thanks to Kai for coming on to share her story. Although the closest I'll get to Iowa Wind and Rock will be volunteer status, I definitely have a better understanding of what it's like to pedal nonstop for 340 miles. And I'm so impressed with Kai's physical and mental capabilities. I know I'll be keeping an eye on what she does next. IowaWindandRock.com is the website if you want to find out more about this race. Also, if you go to Kai Takashito's Facebook page, you can read her amazing and detailed recap of this event. Of course, if you have a topic or the name of a cyclist you find interesting, email me at morphologypodcast at gmail.com. Please visit my Instagram page for daily entertainment and check out the Morphology YouTube page to find videos of some of the places I go with my bike. I'll leave you with this quote from the unwritten book of Morphology. Hard things are put in our way not to stop us, but to call out our courage and strength. Think about it.